Welcome to Getting to Nimble. I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician. And I'm Bill Smoots, a pastor. Follow us on the first and third Tuesdays as we explore how to survive and thrive in the 21st century church. And today we are talking about changing in the midst of change. That is to say, when we are in a season of change, sometimes it's easier to make more change than when we are in a completely stable or stagnant season of life. It can be really difficult to think about new habits, new processes, but hey, we're in the midst of change and this change is going to keep on going for the foreseeable future. So we can think through this time and benefit from it in some ways, or you at least use something that's really difficult to our advantage. Change is our friend. Sometimes. <laughs> I was Before we got on the call, I was talking about all the new white hairs I have. So, uh, you know, there, that too. <laughs> and I and I and I think you'll find nine out of ten church people would disagree with that statement. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, that's what it is. Sarah and I have ministered in churches for over fifty years between the two of us, which means one of us is old. And uh, I'll let you listen to our. And voices. one of us started yeah. when one of us was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all the white hairs that I have. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have pastored primarily in Presbyterian churches, uh, and in recent years have been doing interim transitional work in United Church of Christ congregations, uh, large and small churches, urban, rural, suburban, small town. Um, if they've got a church that pays, I'm there. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about priorities here. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have worked all over the denominational spectrum as a church musician, and I have done a lot with theology and music in my graduate research and Currently, I'm working on a book about professional ministry and being yourself in places where you are in a role. So working on that, I am so, so near to having a uh, blankety-blank first draft done, as, as it's called. That's my euphemistic uh, for, for the podcast world. Um, but I, I'm like two weeks away from having a first draft done with that book. So this is... There are places in the podcast yeah. world where they don't go blankety-blank. No. Oh. Yeah, but then we'd have to do an explicit filter, so. Oh, okay. Or yeah. a, a warning, a warning. So a warning. for all of our, uh, all the uh, good good Christian ears listening to Best. us. Blankety um, okay. So yeah, change. Um, I was inspired to think about this, um, actually listening to a podcast episode with Gretchen Rubin um, on her Happier podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes. And she just pointed out that, you know, sometimes we need pointing out something that can kind of be obvious. Well, if you've got something of a clean slate, if you've got something of a fresh start, it can be a lot easier to start a new habit or to change a bad habit. And so I think one of the things she mentioned was, well, if you've been at home for 10 weeks and you're going back to work in person, hey, this is the time to break the 3 p.m. vending machine habit because you haven't done that for 10 weeks. You just decide, you know, on that first day, I'm not going to. Or this can be the time to start a new habit. You're, you, you've got this kind of like if you have a new house, you can, it's easier or a new job. You can work on different kinds of habits. Um, but I think with a church, maybe we're thinking about ourselves and our particular things that we do and our processes. But if we're thinking about like church system wide, we can think about processes, the, the bigger picture systems that we work with and think about, hey, are these working? Are these not working? Because now is a great time to change. It is. It is. Um, 
what I've seen that's been driving change in, in the last three months has primarily been, oh no, we've got to do something. Uh, we, uh, how do we get worship put out? How do we uh, have meetings when we can't physically be together? And so much of the change that's been happening has just been, uh, we got to get something done. We got to figure something out. Oh, look, there's Zoom, there's this, there's that. And we do it. And, and um, what, what I have found by and large is that these changes we've been embracing rapidly and running with, really running with, have not been focused in any way, shape, or form. There's not been um, a purpose, a priority. The leadership body hasn't said, these are the key things we need to keep in mind as we consider changes. And, and as we're talking about changing in the midst of change, I think that may be a good starting point for, for folks as they're trying to make change. What are our goals? What's our vision? What are our purposes and priorities? We need those things as churches anyway, but, but those need to be rethought three months into a pandemic as we're making changes. Yeah. I feel like when this all initially started, it, it's just like, you know, this is all happening right now and you can't really do anything except, you know, as you said, run and just, just try to keep up. And now we're at this place where the changes are still happening and we don't know what's, what's going to happen in two months. We don't know what's going to happen in four months. We don't know yet, but we're also not in the panic mode of, wow, what are we going to do for church on Sunday in three days? Like, you know, we are in that, in that state of everything is just coming at us and each new week brings fresh revelations of like, here's what is happening in the world. And, you know, we're in a little bit more, not stasis, but something of, at least for me, like, I don't feel like I'm in panic mode at this point. And I, thought, I don't know, panic isn't the right word, but just that like, oh, I have to do, putting out the fires. I'm not in putting out the fires mode anymore. Like yeah. the fires, I've, there aren't any fires going on right now that, that I know of. Let's, let's borrow a, a medical term, triage. Yes, um, we're out of triage now. Yeah. 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 And so we're still, you know, there's still a lot of change, but we're not in triage. So what you're saying, Bill, about thinking about priorities and values, I, th- I, I agree. I think that has to be the first step as we figure out like what kind of change do we want to make in the midst of change? Like, well, what, what do we actually care about? What are the values here? Yeah. And, and I think, I think they're, they may be pretty straightforward. This isn't like we've got to, to reinvent the value wheel. Um, but, but if we can say something like, um, the first priority that's going to guide us is keeping the members of our community as safe as we possibly can, then, then that begins to help you start answering certain questions or, or even what possibilities you'll consider and what possibilities just can't be on the table right now. Um, and if you put that with, um, how, how do we something something about discipleship how 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 do we understand discipleship or we understand discipleship in this way for this time um then then that begins to help focus some other ways and and as we were talking ahead of time you can also have practical things okay keeping the church afloat uh financially or or um keeping keeping connected to one another somehow I feel like with those, it's like those were priorities before, but maybe we didn't have to say them because there's always the priority of like, we need to keep the lights on at the church. 
Um, there's always that priority of like, we are in community with each other, but maybe in the past, hopefully that was probably easier. And, and maybe it was, it just was, you know, we already knew about it. We didn't have to articulate it so clearly. But most old line, mainline churches do a lousy job of talking about money. Mm. Uh, That's kind of like, Oh, we can't, we can't talk about that. We need it. Um, But, but we don't want to talk about it because we don't want people to feel bad. Um, And, and so we don't say, Hey, we have these financial needs. Um, the the churches that are much better at articulating, we need this much a week, um, or or this this offering goes for our operating budget, and this second offering in the service. Shock! There are. It was a shock to me anyway, as a twenty year old, that there are churches that take one more than one offering. Mm -hmm. Um, This is for our mission offering and our mission this week Mm -hmm. is. Um, And, and most in my experience, the, the, all these vast years, most churches have not wanted to talk about money at that level. And, and, you know, that I take the time introing the video each week as I'm doing the welcome to say, Hey, you're giving as you're able to is so appreciated. And if you can give online, it would be that much more helpful. Here's where you'll find that information. Mm, I've yeah. never said anything that explicit uh, in 30 plus years. And so, um, and, and it's, and there's no, you know, nobody's jumped on me for saying it. The finance people are just, you know, singing uh, and jumping up and down that somebody's talking about money. Um, but it's, it's, it's those kinds of things that are suddenly changes we're having to make, but they're also, they're also related to vision value priority type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pieces. This is, I just have to tell this funny anecdote. I was working at a rural Catholic church for a while. And um, after one of the, one of the services, the priest or the deacon or whatever um, was like, guys, we have to talk about money um, because y'all give too much to missions and we're in the red for our operating budget. And it was, it was like one of those things where like, you know, cause they could talk about like diocesan statistics and they were like, you give so much more money percentage wise submissions than so many churches. That's so amazing. And if you just gave like 5% more to the church operating budget, we wouldn't be in the red. We could ring the bell on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, just like, I, I know you want to designate your gifts, but could you at least designate a little bit more to like paying for this building? I get it. Electricity is our friend. Yeah, you gotta talk detailed. I mean, they were like into the percentages and the like the number of thousands because this was this was a tiny church, so it wasn't huge. But I think ideally yeah. that's how congregations should be talking. Oh, like that they can actually understand here's how my dollar bill goes yeah. to mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and you know, kind of how we you know, there's certain things that polite dinner conversation does not include. I think over the years, there's become a bunch of things that polite church conversation mm. doesn't include. And, and one of the things we have an opportunity to change is what, what are those conversations that haven't been happening that really need to? It's kind of how in, on an individual level, I know plenty of people who've said, I've had a 10%, 15% pay cut by simply disclosing, I work at thus and such place where everyone has had these, these pay cuts. And so it's an interesting, it's like you're revealing personal information, but it's not personal information. It's, it's, it's like, this is, this is what it is. It's kind of like, sometimes I'll talk about like my husband's salary and it's like, this is not personal information. This is what the federal government pays medical residents, like plus or minus $5,000. Like this is, this is, 
everybody in this in this particular category kind of thing um and and it's a uh, yeah and I, so i i think though like in terms of like where we are in the church like being able to talk about those inner workings can be really good they can be and 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 i think people don't like the 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 governance side of church life um a lot of churches i've served the 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 same people just kind of rotate on mm, and off yeah. boards and and it's not because they necessarily want to but it's because other people just aren't interested in knowing that about the church or mm. or or serving with with that much time required and and so um it becomes easy then for there's a group in the know and there's a large portion of the congregation that's wanting to stay blissfully ignorant but but then when a crisis comes along there there's there's not information there's not um yeah. there's not a knowledge of how much does it really cost to uh make this place go how how much human effort is required to put together a worship service to uh provide yeah. care to you know maintain the building um yeah. those kind yeah. of things yeah man this is so different from how i grew up in evangelical churches where it was super transparent and like you know you'd have like last week's last week's offering amount in the in the bulletin and like you know the the church budget i mean these these are baptist churches congregationalist type churches like a lot of transparency in their polity yeah. um but yeah so but, we're talking, go ahead no i was just gonna say in the 19 teens 20s 30s most mainline churches would have you know on a board up in front of the church last week's offering mm -hmm. uh, last week's sunday school offering um you know yeah. all those kinds yeah. of things and that's all in many well not everywhere but in a lot of places that's just gone by the wayside and and we don't have we the collective we don't have a um, a good institutional knowledge of how we run what what where we spend our money those kind of things so we're identifying um an area where probably not just in our the churches where you and i work bill but more generally like this can be an area around institutional inner workings that this can be a great time to put the light on like well here's how this actually works um mm -hmm. Man, I've been wanting to write a series, of, a behind-the-scenes series, for the for the music program. And shockingly, when your kid is not in daycare, like that's just not not on your priority list. It's just, it's just amazing how that works. That your precious nap time doesn't. You have other you have other uses for that precious nap time. Yeah, yeah, like the the bare bones of getting things done. Um, yeah. But so so um. So it, we're, we're talking about priorities and values, and that's the starting point. And then I think that we have to, like, if you're thinking about, well, what do I want to change? How do I want to change? Um, assuming you don't have some agenda that you want to ram through, which I do not advocate for whatsoever. Um, but, you know, assuming you're approaching this with this, some, some healthy, hey, this is a time that we can change. Let's, let's find this opportunity here. Um, I think there are some questions that you can ask yourself. Um, and again, this is like on the church system wide level and not necessarily in terms of like individual workflow, but I think it can be helpful to look into the past, like to, to start out by looking into the past and think about like, well, what wasn't working? What were the blind spots that we had? Maybe now I can see some blind spots that we had. Um, I've been seeing that in terms of like pastoral care, especially for, um, care for people who are in a stay-at-home situation guess what all the all the resources available to people who are permanently at home have exploded because now everybody's at home 
And, and for me, I'm just like, wow, that was a really big missed opportunity that we, at least I didn't see before. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I think that oftentimes at least congregations I've served, I don't want to say all churches everywhere have come to rely on staff often, often pastoral staff, whether it's a solo or, or there's an associate or two, to be the ones who do those kinds of things, who mm-hmm. do those kinds of connecting. And, and um, when, when churches are in interim time, uh, as, as where you're serving is, and, and, and I being an interim, so yes, we're in interim time, mm-hmm. um, we come in not knowing who those people are. We don't know the backstories. We and we're probably not going to be there long enough to develop all that institutional knowledge and history that we need to be able to say, okay, here are the people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And 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 because the the reliance in so many congregations has become on staff to be connected to those people as staff transition, um, there's just nobody that knows where everybody is. There may be individuals, mm-hmm. oh, I know so-and-so, uh, and he's there or she's in this institution, but, but they're, they're scattered. And, and not all that knowledge lies in any particular body of the church. Um, and, and particularly churches that don't have a, a care group, a, a, de- a deacon's group of some kind, or a Stephen ministry group. There just then isn't knowledge within the body. And, and so I think this is a great example of, oh, we ought to pay more attention mm-hmm. to some of these basic functional things um, about uh, our church. And, and again, it goes back to priorities. If one of our priorities is to keep our people safe, then you got to know who your people are. Um, And so this becomes a, this becomes a way that we work at that priority. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a way of thinking again, systemically, what kind of system do we have in place for this kind of thing? And the place that we are in right now can kind of can show us um, places in that system that need to improve because now we're at a distance. we We aren't relying just on like the Sunday morning experience kind of thing. We're, like, oh, are those email addresses actually valid? Does the phone number actually work? Does sister so-and-so actually live at that nursing home? Like, you know, all those all those pieces that maybe were easy to ignore in the past. Like, now it's like, oh, we actually need to figure this out. Correct, correct. And, and um, the other piece that I, I, I would like to talk about in all this is is the faith formation piece. And I know we we talked a few podcasts back with, uh, with Emily uh, trying to think about faith formation going forward. But what, what I want to talk about more in specific is that the, the ways we've been doing faith formation have been working less effectively over time, if at mm-hmm. all. But that doesn't mean um, that the need is, has gone away. And, and so I found this time to be useful in, oh, I'm going to try a thing or two. Or I see my colleagues out there doing some things, and I'm I'm really interested in this one, so I'm going to try my version of it. Or um, and, and it's been fascinating to me to see response. Um, and some has been, oh yeah, nobody's interested in that. I'll let that go. But other things have been, oh, that's really useful. Thank you. We appreciate that you're doing that, and we're we're working at faith formation, even though we might not call it that. And, and I think that's a huge need for churches these days of, of, you know, 
at least in, in mainline churches like you and I, where people are often biblically illiterate and um, where they're not investing time in traditional Sunday morning, Sunday school classes uh, or, or adult studies or, or those kind of things that maybe this, this environment gives us the opportunity to think about faith formation more creatively, more intentionally. Mm -hmm. what, what's the next? To the values also, like, well, how are we living at our values? And, and what does that mean for the systems that we have in place for the, the big picture practices that we have? What's actually important here? Yeah, kind of yeah. And, and, and maybe it also allows us to, to, to finally acknowledge, you know, some things that we have held dear just aren't working we need to let them go or, or we need to be doing new stuff because those, they can't work right now. We can't be in the building. We can't be face to face. So, so in the trying new things, those, those old things meld away without the anguish of, but, but when I was little mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. my children experienced yeah. or yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. That's it's. And I think those are kind of tricky places to work in because again, you don't want to do the whole like, well, I'm going to ram my agenda through um, because now I can. But, but at the same time, like, I feel like this, this season has really provided us with a lot of opportunities to realize like, oh, actually we can do this on Zoom. Oh, we actually can do, we can do a lot of things that maybe we said in the past that we couldn't. There's, there's another place I'd like to talk about if that's okay. And, and I, but I don't want to steal something that you want to work on. Okay. Okay. So the other place that I think this time may give us an opportunity to address is what I consider the age gaps in, in churches. Um, right now, a lot of congregations are filled with people who are 65 or 70 plus. And, and let me emphasize the plus. And it just seems like younger people um, you know, people under 65 are, are absent in a lot of ways. And, and the children that we confirm uh, wander away pretty quickly and, and don't really come back or attach anywhere as time goes on. And there's all sorts of sociological reasons we can, we can say that. But I think this also gives us an this, this time, this pandemic time, and, and the, the sea of change we're going through gives us the opportunity, again, through priorities, to say, what are we trying to do here? Um, is, is our ministry going to be primarily focused on people of a certain age on up? Are, are we, are we going to try and span the spectrum? Um, I, I, I think that day and age may be gone for churches. We can't be all things to all people. Um, are we going to try and do some things that, that um, target different ages because we know without that our future is limited? Um, and, and, and I don't mean, again, this is not trying to push an agenda as much as this is a time when questions can be asked, new possibilities can be envisioned, we can engage our imagination about what God's future looks like and about what the Church of Jesus Christ looks like in God's future. And it may be different than what it is now. It will be different. It's going to be completely different than what it is now. And, and and, and maybe one of those places that we've got to address most intentionally revolves around 
questions of age and what discipleship means to different generations and, and, and how the church better aligns itself with people's, how people are thinking uh, culturally, how people, what, what their expectations are um, for, for an organization that purports to be about um, all people as children of God and uh, justice and righteousness being uh, key core principles for that organization. So what does that mean? And, and how do we begin to live that out differently? Because we know what we're doing for the most part um, is, is only addressing people of a certain age up, not all the generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am not the only parent who is suddenly like, wow, Sunday morning, church time is also snack time. And wow, it's so much easier to do church, to, to be worshiping when it's also snack time. <laughs> like, oh, good. My kid will sit here happily for 20 minutes and watch the children's sermon and sing the hymn. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or, or as we're doing, you know, we, the service is up by early afternoon on Saturday on, on, on the YouTube link and you can watch it anytime you want. Mm. And, and so um, I'll get people who will send me an email late Saturday night. Hey, just watch the service. Want to ask a question uh, or the, they, they get up and have a cup of coffee and watch it Sunday morning um, early. Um, and then they have the day or, mm. or they, they watch it on Wednesday when they finally have time. I, um, I think uh, you and I are not the only people going, huh? I think we're going to have, two tracks for at least forevermore. Forever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, There's no way to escape it. And if you think you can. Yeah. Yeah. I just, even, you know, even for churches that are in a more sacramental Eucharistic place, like I realize that um, like I work at a United Church of Christ congregation and the beliefs around things like communion are really not the same as if you would be like in a Lutheran or Catholic or Episcopal church. Um, so I, I get that there are some really deep theological differences. What I'm seeing in say like Episcopal churches where I have friends who work there um, is that yes, they have these live streamed Eucharistic services that can't really be replaced, but what they're also doing are the completely legitimate services of like morning prayer or matins or, you know, these other things, these Bible studies that are suddenly like, Oh, we can do this in a, in a robust kind of way that we thought we had to do on site at a particular time before. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. we can do this and we ourselves can do this. This doesn't have to be the Bishop that this doesn't have to be another group with all the, professional snazzy skills actually you know the people in the church want to see us they want to see each other right Correct. and and we can actually do this and this is spiritually beneficial for us to be doing it in this way it is a good thing that someone can watch this at 10 p.m on wednesday night and and maybe the surprise is that our theology can stretch that far yeah that we I can worship in different times and places, literally. I mean, we even say, Christians have said this forever, like, oh, you know, Christians at all times and all places. Well, all times and all places can be the same service at 10 in the morning and 11 and the night before and on Wednesday and... <laughs> all times and all places and as long as it's 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Yeah. No, I, no but I, I mean that, that our theology... And, and not all churches, but 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 maybe this pushes our theology, even the more eucharistically minded denominations or traditions, to say, 
what is the Eucharist really? And, and what is it that, that Christ is trying to give life to? And is there only one way that that can be done? Um, I, um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm Presbyterian working in UCC churches. And, and you know, there's, there's, it's, it's not that we uh, are dealing with doctrines of transubstantiation within the Presbyterian church. It isn't the body and the blood, but it's still, communion is still a pretty high holy moment, something mm-hmm. we try and do sacred, something that we have a particular liturgy around. And, and so I've been saying to people, okay, it's for Sunday of the month. We're going to have our traditional communion. I expect you to show up with something solid uh, to break and eat and something liquid to drink. And, um, and at first I was a little, the, the inner Presbyterian in me was like, <gasps> um, how, how can you do that? And yet what, I, what I've seen when I've done it in Zoom or just report backs when it's been a, a video people just watching is the joy that people feel participating even in this way. It's not the same as in person, it's, but, but there's, there's a level of responsibility I see people taking for entering into um, communion uh, and, and the, the spiritual atmosphere or ethos around communion that, that they're excited about, that they, that they somehow feel their faith experience is genuine. And I'm like, huh, this is good. Mm-hmm. We, we've got some things to That's learn. Great. Here. Yeah. Um, and, and I, so I don't want to, these, these may be changes that are ultimately pushing us in good directions, even though they seem painful right now. Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of the last area is like, you know, we've been talking about things that weren't working in the past or things that we wanted to change and now we're making the time for. But I think now it's like, okay, well, what new ideas are we having? What new opportunities do we have because we are in the sea of change? And this sea of change is not forever. Like this is this seismic change. I think we're having a huge change culturally. I hope we're having a huge change culturally. Um, this, the, these seasons do not happen all the time, right? No. And, and what we're doing right now is formation for, I I think the future. So what, you know, what, what new opportunities can we see? Can we imagine, can we in faith, listen to the spirit and realize in our particular, particular areas where we work? You know, we're, we've been pretty focused on nuts and bolts things in our conversation, but but you're right. There's a whole uh, sea of sea change of opportunity out there related to justice issues right now, mm-hmm. and, and for yeah. us to have conversations culturally about race and um, violence in in ways that. I've never seen possible in my life. And, and maybe those things would have happened naturally given the horrific uh, flashpoints that have started the, the conversation. But maybe being in the midst of the pandemic where everything's um, up in the air and, and open to question gives us opportunities that, that we don't have or we haven't had or haven't taken. And, and I just, I hope we'll use them. Mm-hmm. And... and um, and not be afraid of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, we can look back in history and say like, oh yeah, the civil rights movement was a big change in our country or the great depression, big change in the country. Um, and it's interesting for me as someone in my thirties to be like, huh, what is it like to be part of that change and not just looking at it retrospectively? Mm-hmm. Like how, mm-hmm. how, you know, the whole, like be the change you wish to see in the world. 
well, yeah. how can I personally be the change that I wish to see in the church? Or that more uh, spiritually speaking, that I would believe the Holy Spirit would lead, lead in the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how do we faithfully walk with members of congregations in this time that, that seems more open to change possibilities than any time that we've seen thus far in our lives, perhaps, and, and may see uh, ever in our lives again? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, I, it's room for a lot of hope. It is. It's 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 hope. It's excitement. Maybe a little terror. Um, but but just the possibilities are exciting, um, and 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 the change is so desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 this dying institution is 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 going to have a future, you know, I, there will always be a Church of Jesus Christ. I I, I believe that. With all my but that's being. that's the capital C church. That's not the, that's the capital C church. local congregation. If, that, if local congregations yeah. that have had a particular history are going to thrive enough to have a future, then then ninety eight percent of them are going to have to really evolve in some significant ways. And this time may be a great start to that, or or a great way for that conversation to to not be so personal and not be i'll go back to the fear not be so scary mm-hmm. um, because yeah. we we don't have the the luxury of uh normal um and, and so when when everything has got to be new and hopefully better what does that look like and how how do we talk about getting there mm-hmm. and, and then actually go there yeah yeah I think that's a good a good place to end. Okay. We've got seeds of yeah. hope here. We have seeds of change. Seeds seeds of hope are always good. We are people who live in hope. Yes. Let's never forget that. <laughs> well, friends, you've survived, and that's it for another week's installment of Getting to Nimble. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. You can find the show notes at sarah-bariza.com. B-E-R-E-Z-A. And if you're enjoying the show, please share it with your ministry friends and buddies and and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you say nice things, we'll be really appreciative of it. Indeed. I am Sarah Breeza. And I am Bill Smoots. Until next time, keep it nimble. But keep it legal.